This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yes, good morning. Welcome to The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin on Zoomer Radio, aided and abetted by yours truly, Dean Holland. How are you this morning, Charlie? I'm great. I've put, got my long underwear on, but otherwise I'm great. Yeah, Your base what a, layer? My, exactly, my base yes. layer. Because or that's the I term. would call them long johns. So. Oh, man, there you go. Well, I would call them long underwear, but Elliot tells me everything's called a base layer now. The lower base and the upper base. Right. And so like four days ago, it was shorts and today it's base flare. <laughs> Yesterday, it was nine <laughs> degrees here. Now it's minus 14. So, yeah, it's what a difference. Yeah, we are. We're about minus 11 this two couple hours north of Toronto. So I mm-hmm. just checked just before the show. But uh, yeah. yeah, and they said it was going to happen. So um, now we had some nice clear skies last night for the full moon, too. Did you, did yes. you see it? Beautiful. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's clear today here, too. Nice and clear and blue. It is. And it's not a, uh, I read about this just recently, it's uh, not a, uh, you know, they call the supermoons. Hmm. It's ap- actually a micromoon. And that is apparently oh, because far. it is farther away from the Earth than it than it hmm. normally is. And so it's full, but it's a bit smaller as opposed to that huge, huge look that you sometimes yeah. get. Uh, yeah. Did you, just, did you think it looked smaller to your eye? Um, you know what, I, it... It's hard because I had read about it and I was kind of looking for it. So I think if I hadn't read about it, I might not have. But I always notice if it's bigger. You know when it's that huge big? Wow. So it just looked like a normal full moon to me. But uh, it was nice to see it because the skies were clear. Well, I was looking for that landing um, because they – there, you know, somebody mm-hmm. landed, somebody, some private company landed the, on the moon. So it was the US. Was, Actually, it was the U.S. put the U.S. America. back in the game again. Yeah. 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 But it wasn't NASA paid for, though there was a lot of NASA stuff on board, including some Canadian yeah. stuff. But I was, you know, getting in my binoculars to see if I could see that. You got it. Now, a uh, quick gardening question. Will, does <laughs> yeah. the full, will the full moon have any uh, bearing on gardening? It does for a lot of people. Um, okay, so think about what happens when we have a full moon. The and but mind you, a micro moon wouldn't be as intense as a macro moon. But nevertheless, the full moon, when it's in the sky, has impact on um, the Earth's atmosphere in the sense that we have our highest tides when there's a full moon. So the water is higher as it's pulled up towards the moon, and many people plant specific seeds not in february typically but many people will plant seeds on a full moon because the water is not only higher in the oceans but it's higher in the ground as well gotcha okay so that was my gardening question to start (laughs) if you have a gardening question out there you need to give us a call 416-360-0740 or 1-866-740 Four seven forty. The toll-free number is uh, if you live outside Toronto, anywhere in the province of Ontario. Okay, and do let Ashley know if you're a first-time caller because I will give you your garden wings, and uh, we want you to call off and call early. And please, very important, one question per call. Now, before we go to break, Charlie, uh, do you have any announcements? 
Uh, yes, just quickly, we are into CD Saturday, speaking of planting seeds, uh, time of year. So CD Saturdays or Sundays are all about seed swaps. So you take seeds and you can swap seeds. You can also buy seeds. And of course, there's a very big one happening next uh, March the 2nd, Saturday, March 2nd, between 9 a.m. and 2 a.m. at the Evergreen Brickworks. If you've never been to the Evergreen Brickworks, I highly recommend you make a trip there. Uh, it's it's um, on the what's called the uh, Bayview Extension, so it's down in the Don Valley in what was an old brick uh, works, but mm -hmm. there are shuttle buses from Broadview Subway Station, as far as I know, so you don't have to drive there. There are ways to get there by public transit, free, open to the public, uh, lots going on in terms of expertise, master gardeners, talks, demos, nature activities, lots going on with children, activities. They have a farmer's market. Actually, um, Evergreen Brickworks has the only, I think, or biggest only, yeah, I guess it's the biggest farmer's market year-round uh, every weekend. The other one is the following Saturday, March the 9th, uh, in partnership with the Brampton Horticultural Society. It's a CD Saturday and Garden Show at the Century Gardens Rec Center. Of course, again, free for everyone, open for all ages. It's their 12th annual. So they're pretty excited between 10 and 3, March 9th, in the Brampton Century Gardens Rec Center. Okie dokie. Okay, so uh, just before we go to break, uh, we've got some calls coming in, but we've got lots of room on the line. So give us a call. We will be right back with much more on The Garden Show. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yes, indeed. Welcome back to The Garden Show on Zoomer Radio with Charlie Dobbin. Uh, numbers to call, once again, 416-360-0740 or 1-866-740-4740. Let's go to our first caller. We have Jody on the line from Scarborough. Welcome to The Garden Show, Jody. Good morning. Good morning. Nice and cold today. I'm calling yeah, about my cedar hedge. It's uh, it's getting very high. Uh, it's about five feet tall now. It's getting taller. I'm getting shorter, and it's harder to maintain it. And I'm thinking of cutting it back maybe halfway down. But my worry is if I do, will it, you know, will it sprout again where the dead is in the middle, or will it just be brown in the middle? Okay, so this is the reality of cedars. I mean, depending on what kind of cedars they are, <clears throat> you have no idea what kind of cedars they are, do you? White cedar, black no. cedar, emerald cedar, no? It's green. Uh, okay. So generally with cedar hedges, five feet tall is not that tall. So it's actually, pro it's a good time to call me. It's not a really old hedge. Once they're 30 years old and never been maintained, you're in trouble. Because yes, you've got tons of deadwood. But at this Yeah, this age, is old. This is you, really quite old. Uh, it's got to be at least 40 years old. Oh my. All right. So it was planted a long time ago. Somebody has been pruning it, obviously. Uh, it was me. I'm the pruner, but it's getting ah. hard for me. It's getting hard to do. <clears throat> so I would not cut it down by a half if it's that tall. But yes, you can certainly trim the top. And the most important thing you should do is trim the sides in such a way so that the bottom of the, the, each of the individual cedar plants is wider at the bottom than it is at the top. So you've got a slight pyramid going on in the shape of the hedge. When you trim a cedar hedge like that, you will continue to have new green growth on the outside as normal, but it will be green right to the ground. 
Typically, what people do is the exact opposite. It ends up narrower at the bottom and wider at the top. And before you know it, the base leaves or the base branches of your cedar trees are bare, naked, no leaves, um, very unsightly, and never going to grow leaves because they're in deep shade because of the the big growth from the top. So main thing is little wider at the base, little narrower at the top. Yes, you can cut the cut it down. I would try and go only a third at the most down and do not leave a perfectly flat top. Curve the top so that snow, et cetera, will be shed by the plant. Okay. How long how long would it take for it to uh, sprout the green? Oh, what you what you do this what I when I would do this pruning is in early to mid-spring, so that by June, when the cedar is really actively growing, it fills right back in. Oh, okay, yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. and when I, when I trimmed my other uh, hedge, it's a golden privet, uh, I waited mm-hmm. for the weather to have, like, two sunny days afterwards. Good. So, yeah, Good. so I'll do yeah. the same. Yeah, and the privet, you can prune pretty much any time. Like, you could prune it in the fall or the spring, but I wouldn't prune it midsummer. No, but if I do it now, would it be okay? The privet, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can, like yeah. I mean, not now, maybe not it? today. It's a bit chilly to be out there, but yes, indeed. Yeah, early spring, and it'll really, it'll, it loves the deciduous hedges love being pruned uh, early in the season or you know late in the fall because all the new growth just comes out, boom, and then you've got these really dense, beautiful, beautiful plants. Oh, that's wonderful. Oh, thank you, Charlie. Thank you. Thanks for calling. Okay, bye-bye. Okay, yeah, thanks for the call there, Jody. Uh, Let's go to our next caller. We have uh, Colleen on the line, calling from Newcastle. Welcome to the Garden Show, Colleen. Thank you. Good morning. morning. Um, uh, This will be my fifth summer in this house, and I have a huge garden in my backyard. Runs along both side fences and the back fence. I've always had rabbits in the neighborhood and in the yard, but last year, for the first time, they ate just about every flower I planted, including all the ones I started from seed in the house. So um, my question is, is there anything that's really effective in keeping rabbits away from the flowers? Hmm. A dog. <laughs> oh, don't have a dog, not getting a dog, anything okay. else. <laughs> just a suggestion, um, a shotgun, but you're going to probably say you don't have one and you're not going to get one. I get it. Exactly. Um, yeah, rabbits can be challenging. <clears throat> You've got, I would say, two options. One is you can use a deterrent that you would spray on your plants, which will make the rabbits not want to eat those plants. Uh, and And at the same time, I would be inclined to provide some food for them elsewhere. I mean, this is kind of where we try and beat the squirrels and we can never really beat them. But if we can at least um, draw them away from our favorite plants and take them to another part of the garden, that can often work. Um, Now, uh, something I have used, it's called plant skid. So write this down. One word plant. Well, it's actually one big long word. So the word plant and then mm-hmm. S as in Sam, K mm-hmm. as in kite, Y mm-hmm. as in yellow, D mm-hmm. as in Dobbin, D as in Dobbin. So plant skid. It is a deer and rabbit repellent. It's completely organic. It will not hurt your plants whatsoever. You will certainly 
pay complete attention to when and how to spray it. It lasts mm-hmm. for quite a long time. I mean, if it's, I wouldn't probably put it on vegetables because you're harvesting your vegetables and then you'd have to, you know, spray again. But either way, you basically use it maybe around the perimeter. Just keep the rabbits from entering into the garden where where your favorite plants are. Obviously, fences, people try those. But rabbits, can when they're hungry, they'll go under, they'll go over. They'll do a lot of things. Um, consider hawks. Maybe um, maybe you could put up some bird feeders, bring some hawks in. The hawks will eat the rabbits. Like, get a nice little cycle <laughs> of life going that way, too. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's hard. I mean, when the rabbits are happy, I mean, the coyote population is really controlling our rabbit population uh, across Ontario, I think, these days. So mm-hmm. that is one good thing about the coyotes. But certainly the, the rabbits can be a huge problem if there's nothing controlling them. Okay, well, I haven't heard of that product, but I've had lots of advice from friends, and uh, I think that I'm going to go have a look at the nursery and find that. And so it will say on it when to when to apply, like clearly not now, but I guess later spring or when I plant the flowers or something like that. Exactly. When to spray and how to spray. And I've seen it. It's available like even at, you know, Canadian Tire. Uh, certainly the Urban Nature Store carries it, who is one of the sponsors mm-hmm. of the show. Um, I've, it's on Amazon. It's kind of all over the place. It's it's okay. out of Finland or Norway, one or the other. It was originally designed to protect plants from elk. Turns out it works on everything. Like it works, nothing will eat. Like deer, elk, or rabbits will eat your plants. And they just eat hostas and cedars like crazy. So nice Mm -hmm. to be able to control them. All right. Thank you so much. Okay. Yeah. Good luck with that, Colleen. Thank you. Have a lovely weekend. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. Uh, And of course, failing that, uh, Charlie, there's also Elmer Fudd, uh, duck season, (laughs) rabbit season. I know. I mentioned it, but I but generally people don't like that one. But you know, I no. do have a a, <clears throat> a quick story I'll just share with you, and that's the yeah. one where uh, somehow I guess a mother rabbit gave birth to babies back in Richmond Hill when I lived there uh, near my house, and two of the little baby rabbits fell into the window well, and oh. the mother rabbit couldn't get them out because it was about right. a two and a half, three foot deep window well. So I saw these little baby rabbits in the window well. I was like, oh my gosh, they're going to starve to death. So, of course, my daughter, being um, an animal whisperer, said, Mom, no, we have to save the rabbits. So the little baby rabbits moved into the children's bathroom, into their bathtub. And I was at the pet store getting all the right bedding and food and water, et cetera, for raising some rabbits and they lived in the bathtub for weeks until and of course the kids didn't have a bath for weeks either so they lived in the bathtub until the rabbits got too big that they could jump out of the bathtub so as soon as they got to that size they went outside and we waved bye-bye and they they hopped off to the neighbors to eat their flowers and for all (laughs) the years i was in richmond hill rabbits would go by they'd wave on their way by but they never ate anything on my property they knew they said oh yeah Skip the Dobbin House. Exactly. They, they did a good a good deed for us us rabbits. That's right. They look at the lettuce you. and they go, nope. There's other lettuce somewhere else. We're not eating nice. that lettuce or whatever. Yeah. A good lesson. Yes. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we are going to take a short break. We'll be right back with much more on the Garden Show. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. 
Yes, indeed. We're back here on The Garden Show. The numbers to call if you live in Toronto, 416-360-0740. Or if you live outside Toronto, anywhere in this beautiful province of Ontario, the number to call is one 866 740 for 740 can be an indoor gardening question can be an outdoor gardening question can be a rabbit question <laughs> whatever <laughs> you like <laughs> okay let's go to our next caller we have on the line we have alice from north york uh welcome to the garden show alice thank you Th- welcome back charlie i called you thank before you. your vacation about my um, bay leaf plant having you told me it had dust mites and I went looking for the spray everywhere. Nobody seems to have it. They say it's out of season. What else can I do to prevent the dust bites from staying on my plant? Okay, sorry. So not dust mites. Uh, were they insects in the soil or on the plant? I can't remember. On the plants, the leaves. They were like uh, the, the leaves went really shiny, like oily. Uh-huh. Yeah, and uh, I told you there were spots on top of them, and they started uh, d- uh, dying on me, the leaves. Do, do you see any evidence of webbing on the plant at all? No, there's nothing. Okay, so you the webbing would be very hard to see just looking at the plant. You'd have to put the plant in a window and then look through where the leaves and the stems come together, uh, right across the little crotch where that connection happens, you yes. might see a little bit of webbing if you looked there. And that would tell yes. you it was spider I, I looking. So there seems to be nothing. You told me that the last time as well. Mm. Okay. So you see no evidence. And when you look under the leaves, do you see any evidence of anything um yeah, I mean, so basically you're telling me you're not seeing insects, but clearly you've got insects if they're all shiny because there's something. Uh, yeah. Mealybug is very easy to see because it's white and cottony. Spider mites are very hard to see because they're so tiny. Um, the the um, product you're looking for is called End All, and it should be available. You're in North York. Yeah, I mean... Um, I went to Canadian Tire, all of the stores. They told me they're not in season right now, the end all. I went to uh, Four Winds Nursery in my area. They don't seem to have any. Like, see, there's a little, like a bug on top of the leaf here, like something brownish. Oh, wait, so you are seeing something on top of the leaves, brownish, that you can pick off with your fingers? Yes. There's little brown spots. Okay. If there's little brown spots that you can pick off, like the little bumps on the leaves and you can pick them off, then that is also an insect called scale. And that is something, again, you would use the same product. Um, yeah, you, you just keep going to your garden centers, your like your what Home Depots, Rona's. Um, if you're in North York, you do have some, some garden centers. You've got Wood Hill Nursery up at the north end. You've got, I think, a Sheridan's in and around there somewhere. So I would just keep going. It's uh, end all. If it's not on the shelf right now, will be any day now because we are at the time of year where they're stocking up for spring. And this is something that you need to keep in your cupboard and use as per directions. Yeah. It will work, but you will have to use it as per directions. Yeah, because the leaves are starting to dry from the top and they're going all the way down and they're curling and they're mm-hmm. dropping. Right, so d- that doesn't sound good. Um, so there might be even more going on than just an insect infestation or it might be, you know, insects. Either way, um, yeah, I mean, the proper name of... Um, 
of a bay plant or yeah, bay leaf plant is laurel, L-A-U-R-E-L. So if you want to do a little bit of research into the best care and treatment of that plant, uh, look it up on the web or in a garden book and just look up laurel. It'll talk about growing it as a pot indoors and make sure you're giving it, you know, the right amount of light, the right amount of humidity, no drafts, all that important stuff. No, no, there's no drafts, no. I was thinking of replanting and maybe the insects falling from the leaves are going into the soil. Um, Probably not. If they... Depending on what insect they are, they probably aren't hanging out in the soil. And repotting is very stressful on plants. So when a plant is already struggling, I would tend to not repot it. I would look at um, other uh, ways to care for it, to get it through. So you've got some new fresh growth happening. You're probably going to have to do some pruning back. When you prune, you're going to be very careful to put all the bits off that you prune into the garbage and out of the house in case there are insect eggs yeah. on the bits you prune off. Okay, thanks very much, Alice. Got to run. We have some other callers on the line. Numbers to call again, 416-360-0740 or one 866 744 740. Have to tell you, Charlie, just before we go to our next caller, that I bought a flower the other day, but I, 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 w- I decided not to buy cut flowers and I bought a pot of um, daffodils oh. and that were, were up about 10 inches or so, but nothing was open. And I could, but it's unbelievable how now 48 hours later in the house, I've got four blooms. It doesn't take them long. No, but you were smart to buy them green. Yeah, and I wanted them all. They were all tight, tight, tight clothes. I didn't see anything of yellow. I wanted to, them to take time. You know what? I, I don't want to sound really sexist here, but generally speaking, men buy flowers that are wide open, whether it's cut flowers or yeah. or potted plants. They Because they think, oh, I've got to get it you know, really pretty. So they yeah. buy them all. And then you take it home and 48 hours later, they're toast. They're done. So you were very clever to buy them green. And now you've been able to get the, the beauty of the, the drama of uh, of them proceeding with through their life. So very good. Well, I have the advantage that so many men on this planet don't have. I get to spend an hour with Charlie Dobbin every Saturday. And so I like to think that some of his knowledge is a little bit has rubbed off on me. A little bit of cross-pollination. A little bit of dirt there, yeah. (laughs) Soil. Yes, yes. (laughs) Okay, let's go to our next caller. We have uh, Maureen on the line. And Maureen is calling from North York. Welcome to the Garden Show, Maureen. Oh, good morning. Good morning, Charlie. Good morning, mm-hmm. Dean. It's so nice to have the show live again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I missed you. Um, okay. I guess my question is more of a whale than a question. Uh, my plant <laughs> base is west. And so I've had hyacinths, hyas- daffodils, uh, and, uh, and uh, tulips all coming up about half an inch. And that deep cold we had last night with the wind, I put leaves, but they got blown away. And I yeah. see the tips of the, some of the plants have a little bit of damage now. So mm. what's going to happen? Will they bloom or should I cut the, the damaged pot off the leaves or what should I do? No, no, don't. Yeah, yeah. D- Dean just saw the look on my face. What? No, I'm sorry. Don't. I wish you could have seen the look when you said, should I cut them off? And she went, she was just like shaking her head back and forth and her eyes bugged out. She was like, no, no, no. 
I guess okay, that's so a Maureen, no, right? <laughs> yeah, that's you're right. The tips have been frost damaged and they are a little bit brown and that they'll actually turn yellow and they'll always be a little bit crispy. They won't be perfect. So if you're having a garden tour in, you know, on your property this spring, then you might want to go out and clean them up because of the garden tour people. But otherwise, I would leave them alone. They, they will flower because remember, the flowers are still down deep. Those are just the tips of the leaves. They come first. So they will never be picture perfect plants because of that frost damage, but it will not have damaged the bulb or the coming flowers. Oh, that's okay. I don't care about perfect. My God, nothing about me is perfect. So I, that, that, that <laughs> there you go. That, I knew you were going to say that. Bother me yes. one bit. As long as I get a flower, I'll be happy. <laughs> oh, yeah, you will. You will. And, you know, these are plants that, these are bulbs that have bloomed in the past. Obviously, maybe you planted a few new ones this fall as well. I always plant a few new ones because, as you know, back in the day, things would last a long, long time. But now the usual life for bulbs, tulip bulbs particularly, is about mm -hmm. three or four years. So I always plant yeah. every single year I plant, I plant new ones. And I, okay. I always I keep pictures to see where they came up the previous years. And I sit in the middle <laughs> in between. But no, I always plant new ones every year because That's oh, there's new, 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 new colors and stuff coming out every year, right? Yeah, for sure. New varieties. A tip, Maureen, for next fall when you're planting, plant your bulbs a little deeper than, than you have in the past. If you plant them, you know, like you can't really plant bulbs too deep. They will always come up through the soil. And if you go deeper with them, they're less likely to pop up on a warm winter day. Uh, so that will help them stay below ground. They've just got that much further to come up and you're less likely to have frost damage in the in the future. The other um, suggestion is mulch, just a you know bark mulch, not something that would blow away. So um, some kind of a mulch over top of the gardens where the bulbs are in the fall. Again, that will help hold the cold in the soil, even on a hot, sunny February day, so that, that again, will keep them as dormant for as long as possible. Well, that is great. Uh, very great tip. Thank you, Charlie. I didn't, I'm always worried if I put them down too far, they won't come up. So that's oh, they. Yeah, they always you, find Charlie. their way up. It's amazing. The stems come up and the roots go down, even if you plant them upside down. <laughs> Except hyacinths. Hyacinths okay. have to go in the right way. I will do that next fall. Uh, thank you very yeah. much. You're always such a fountain of good information. <laughs> <laughs> My pleasure. Thanks so much for the call there, Maureen. Yeah, and, and see, hey, Charlie, you and I and Maureen all belong to the same club, the Not Perfect Club. <laughs> I was gonna, I, <laughs> Just ask our spouses. <laughs> exactly. Well, and it's also the allowing things to, to unfold as they will. Like, you, yeah. you know, that's part of being a gardener. It's part of the zen, I think, of gardening. Yeah. It's just, you know, allow things to happen and be patient and enjoy the process. Yeah, there are, there are some years that you get bumper crops of something and then the next year you don't and you get a bumper crop of something else and it's all, I find it quite fascinating really how that can vary so much. Exactly. And, and always remember, don't beat yourself up, right? Blame the plant. Don't blame yourself. Yeah. <laughs> or okay. Mother Nature or something like that. Thank you. Well, I, you know, I think I will take it. I will take that advice. I will. Yeah, I'm going to blame the plant. 
<laughs> okay. From now on. Yes. Good idea. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, you know what? Let's go to our next break. We're really close. We'll go to our break and we'll come back and we have uh, we have a couple callers on the line, but do give us a call because there is room. Don't wait till the last segment because then we won't have time to get everybody in. Okay. So call right now, 416-360-0740 or 1-866-740-4740. We'll be right back on The Garden Show. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yes, indeed, we are back here on The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. And Charlie, I just, I realized during the break... That, you know, I left out Ashy and our Ashy, our producer. So, you know, as great as she is, she also belongs to the not perfect club with you <laughs> and I and Maureen. And so as much, you know, but I she's don't know. I maybe, think Ashy's I think she's pretty closer perfect. to perfect. Yeah, yeah. She's closer to perfect than you and I are. And it's basically it's only because, you know, she's had a few less uh, rotations around the sun. I think that's, that's what it is. I was so. going to say, she's young. She's got yes. she's still got to prove her her ineptitude. At yes, this point, she's pretty, pretty damn perfect. Yeah, there's still <laughs> Time. <laughs> okay, uh, let's go to our next caller. I'm looking at Paula. Yes, I'm looking at. Uh, yes, I'm looking yes. at Paula from Hamilton. Mm-hmm. Welcome to the Garden Show, Paula. Hi. Good morning. Hi. How are you? I'm good. Um, I'm Have calling about my. Hey. Yes, I am. Woo, welcome go. to the right. show. You got the garden wings. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm just wondering, in the last uh, few weeks, my lawn has been all dug up, I assume, by skunks and raccoons, and there's tufts of grass laying all over the place. Mm-hmm. Is there anything I can do about it in February? Like, I know it's probably grubs, right? Right, but, exactly. Um, so like, it's an indication of what a mild winter we've had. Yes. Yes. The, the grubs should be way down deep in the soil, way down mm-hmm. like multi feet below the frost line. And the skunks should be not even thinking about digging up lawns because they shouldn't even know the grubs are there or raccoons or starlings, any of the animals that love grubs. Now, it's been so mild. We haven't had much frost and the grubs have responded and they've been working up higher and towards the surface from below ground because they eat roots they they're vegetarians they just are heading up to to chew the roots of your of your lawn so what can you do at this time of year not a lot one thing you can do because your lawn is dormant is you can go and find the tufts that they've dug up if there's root still attached, you can patch the lawn back together like a little puzzle okay and yeah um you Continue to do that every single day as this is going to go on for a while. And it's a becomes a big problem and a, a full-time job putting the lawn back together. At some point, of course, we hope either the grubs are done and there's no more digging um, or uh, the grubs eventually will move on to their next life cycle. But that's not for a couple of months. There's a product that is available, it should be available at any garden center, an Arona, a Canadian Tire, whatever. It's called um, Grub Be Gone. Yeah, I now, have gr- used that in the past. You uh-huh. have? Okay, so I have never wow. used this, and I am not positive. I don't think it's to be used in the spring, but I could be wrong. When did you use it? I can't hear. 
Paula? Oh. oh, did we lose Paula? I know, I, I can't hear anything. It's gone. Oh, oh there we are. You're back gone. now. We yeah. can hear you. Can you hear us? Mm. Okay, I can't hear oh. that. I can't hear you, though. I hear like. Oh, dear. Sometimes, you know, we do have some phone issues at the Zoomerplex. This might be one of them. Well, hopefully Paula will hang up the phone and turn on her radio. That'd be the thing to do at this point. Um, bottom line for anybody else who's experiencing this problem, Grub Be Gone is a completely organic. And again, it's one of those bacteria, Bacillus thuringiensis or BT products. So as um, um, Paula said, she's used it before. And my thing is, I'm not sure if it's to be used in the spring it might mean be more just a late summer fall product but it is spread on the lawn just like a, a fertilizer and water takes the bacteria down through the, the turf down into the soil and believe it or not that bacteria contacts the bodies of the grubs and proceeds to kill them it's quite effective and it's completely organic and it doesn't hurt any other animals like doesn't hurt birds or or worms or anything like that so the the, the challenge is using the bug be gone now if it's appropriate in the spring i'll have to do a little more research to mm -hmm. find out best timing on that the other thing is is just wait wait until the, the weather is better and you can do the lawn repair that will be required because she will need to do some lawn repair in the spring but we're still probably two months away from being able to do that yeah uh, a, a bit of a quandary i mean when you talk about patching the lawn back together mm. um it's almost like you know, you, you're, if you're golfing, which I don't do, but you know, you hit the the, the divot, you put you just pop it back in. And right. Typically, you know, repairs itself. I guess the quandary is, and we've had grubs before, is that you're right. The the grubs, if they're not eaten, will destroy your lawn because they'll they can kill all the roots. Right. And so, in a way, the skunks and that are doing a bit of a service because they're digging them up and they're eating them and they're preventing them from doing that damage, but they're causing a different <laughs> type of damage. So exactly. You're, you're kind of either way, you're having some damage done. Exactly. And, and, but the, the good thing, as I mentioned, like the, whether it's a raccoon or a skunk or whoever, when they do that digging, it's quite likely that it's living lawn or, you know, chunks, like you're saying, like on the golf course that they're bringing up in quite good sized chunks. Yeah. So you can, I mean, it, it is a puzzle, but you can technically it patch it back together and then you step on it, right? You want to get those roots back down into contact with the soil below. Um, end of the day though, sometimes it's just a mess. It's just like a, you know, like a serious party was going on last night on the lawn and you look out the window in the morning. It's like, oh, where do I start? Oh, yeah. So if that's the case, then just relax. Just, you know, turn on the TV and don't worry about it for now. In six weeks or so, you'll be out there raking all the dead stuff, leveling the lawn, adding soil, top dressing, overseeding. OK, let's go to our next caller. We have Sandra on the line from Etobicoke. Welcome to the Garden Show, Sandra. Good morning, Charlie and Dean. Been listening to your show for many years. Charlie, about three years ago, you gave me some advice on my Rose of Sharon. It's a double bloom. It's mm -hmm. very large. It's really like a tree. It was about six foot tall, four foot wide, and covered in blooms in the summer. Nice. Spectacular. It started to wilt, so I have been taking it down. I have been opening up the center. It's really not a happy-looking plant. It's a, a pretty major feature in my garden. It's, um, it's well protected to the north by uh, some cedar trees and to the east by a fence. Um, 
I'm thinking of either trying to remove it, which I think would be difficult. If I did, mm. is there a late flowering tree that I could put in there? Or do you think I could use the dead branches as a trellis and grow a vine over it? Something that was flowering, mm. that wouldn't mm. be too invasive. I need it to be around that size. I mean, clematis comes to mind. It would be beautiful uh, climbing mm. up on using, you know, using the um, structure of the rosa sharon, particularly if your pr the pruning you've done on it has been, you know, nice. So that, like you said, it's a feature plant. So it probably is nicely shaped. Uh, yeah, clematis is not a highly invasive vine, and of course, it can be beautiful and showy as long as it's getting, uh, you know, growing up into the sun, which I think it would in this situation. I'm just wondering why your rose of Sharon. How it's a like is it a really old plant? No. Yes, yes, it's got to be how? close to thirty years. Yeah. I don't think of them as a short-lived plant, though. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the only other know. thing is, just take a look. started to do it. It sort of, the leaves kind of looked like they were wilting, um, mm. turning a bit yellow. It wasn't lack of water. I went to my local nursery, and they said mm. lack of water, but it, it wasn't that. I, I watered it really well. It really didn't make any difference. Um, yeah, that makes me think there's something that's infested it. Look really closely at the stem of the plant, at the bark, particularly from at ground level. If there's some kind of a borer, a boring insect that has gone in under the bark, you're not seeing the evidence on the outside of the plant, but of course the plant is suffering, and you'll know that something is in there because you'll see a little bit of sawdust around the base of the plant, um, or you may even see, you know, some strange holes in the in the side of the, the, the stem. It'll be sort of the main stem. The other thing is look closely at the smaller, newer branches, you know, the ones mm -hmm. above the main trunk, for any kind of bumps or, again, look like strange growths on the um, on the, the, the branches of the plant. And that, again, is an insect called scale. And it, uh, it can be very good at camouflaging itself. You don't see the insect, but you'll see the little bumps, which are the protective armor. They, they grow around themselves. Like, I'm just wondering if it's something like that that's contributing to the demise of the plant. It's, I can't think it's got its water or fertilizer or anything like that. I don't think so, because I have a, quite a lot of plants growing under it, because it's mm -hmm. such a late bloomer. I have peonies mm -hmm. under it. Uh, I have a lot of plants under it. I'm looking at it mm -hmm. at the moment, and the main trunk, it almost looks like the bark is peeling off, and there seems mm -hmm. to be a split in the, in mm -hmm. the trunk. Yeah. Okay, so that's, that's what I'm thinking. Into it. So the side that is split, the side of the trunk that is split, mm -hmm. um, and the bark is kind of peeling off, is that the west or southwest side of the plant? Yes. Southwest. Yes. So it is possible that, again, these winters will do it to us. When the plant goes to sleep in the fall and everything freezes up and the ground is frozen and there's frozen moisture inside the tree, and then we get a warm, sunny day. Now, this wouldn't have been this winter. It would have been a couple of winters ago. We get that a warm, sunny day in February or January, and the sun shines, even March, shines on the side of the plant, that southwest side. It, thaw, it warms up the liquid that's inside under the bark. It thaws. And everything's fine until the sun goes down. And then the temperature plummets, the moist, the, the liquid 
what was frozen is now liquid, of course, expands as it proceeds to freeze again, and it splits the bark. And it is a common injury in Ontario, unfortunately, because of those those beautiful sunny days we get late winter can do a lot of damage to the the side of um, deciduous plants that are not protected from that sun, which is why we use the white wrap on the trunks of the trees, the white you might have seen people with the plastic spiral wrap, the um, commercial uh, fruit um, orchardists, the fruit growers, they use just white latex paint and they paint the, the bark of the trees oh, okay. in the fall to reflect that sun away so that they don't get that damage in the winter. So uh, ladies, I'm sorry, I do have to run to break. Okay. Oh, sorry. Uh, we'll be, yeah, yeah no sorry, problem. Sandra. Yeah. Uh, we'll be right back with much more on The Garden Show. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yes, indeed, we're back on The uh, Garden Show. Uh, just uh, because we had to run uh, to that last break, if you have a question that's more of a visual thing, uh, you can always send a picture to Charlie. Uh, C.Dobbin at mzmedia.com. Okay, let's go to our next caller, Cecilia from Bradford, who is a first-time caller. Welcome to The Garden Show, Cecilia. Hi. Thank you. Right, I'm going to give you your garden winks quickly, okay? Okay. There you go. We just morning. Good morning. How are you? Great. Thanks for calling. What's going on? Well, I I just got two newly acquired house plants: a calla lily and a Chinese dollar tree plant. And I'm just wondering uh, where in the room I should place them. Right now, I have them over the heater. Um, oh, right in front of the window, like my in the bedroom. <laughs> oh, there goes Charlie's face again. <laughs> Shaking her bed. head, her eyes are bugging out, <laughs> going, no, no, no. <laughs> okay, so when you said heater, you mean the vent, the furnace the vent. vent? Yes, yes. Okay, so you're going to move them and then you're going to jump in your car and go to uh, your local home store, Rona, whatever, and get vent deflectors. Little, it's a plastic gizmo with magnets that sits on the vent oh, yes, um, and them, deflects. Yes. You have those? No, but I've seen them in other people's homes. Okay, so get those, and wherever you have plants, whatever window, because vents and windows go together, right? That's you, yes. that's the, how oh, we okay. keep condensation yes. off the windows. So you'll oh, want right. to get your vent deflectors in any of over any of the vents where you've got plants. No okay. drafts on any plants. Your calla lily okay. would be quite happy in a, a not a direct sun location, bright but not direct, feel the soil, only water when it feels dry, very easy to rot the plant. So let it dry oh. right down with, and then room temperature water to keep it moist. The um, Chinese dollar money plant, I'm not exactly sure what plant you've got. We There's quite a few of them out there called money plant. Probably, again, it, it'll be fine in a sunny window, but it doesn't have to be right in the window. Bright is important. And again, watering when the surface of the soil feels dry. Thanks for calling. We've got to go. We're so close to the end of the show. Okay, um, but yeah, look, we, Dean, we have one more. Yeah, one more yeah, caller. We've got it, Diane on the line from Dorchester. Welcome to the Garden Show, Diane. 
Yes. Hi. Good morning, guys. Um, yeah, I Googled uh, the Bug Be Gone. It's by Scott's. And it said you have to wait earliest as April when the frost is coming out of the ground and the temperature starts rising from April to May. And then in summer, you go uh, from late June to early August. And um, then in the fall, late August to September. So right. it helps that, to control. You're sense. trying to keep the, as the eggs are hatching and they're the little things and before they can mm. get into the adult stage. Well, yeah, the adults are the beetles that fly around, so we don't want that to happen. And you're right. You want to get them when they just hatch, and they're little, tiny, tiny grubs. Interesting, though, of course, it says April when the frost is coming out of the ground. Well, guess what? (laughs) There is no frost in the ground. So February, this is our new April, um, and that's why the grubs are out there. So you know what? I I understand Scott's makes this product, and they've tried to give directions that are clear, but... I personally, if I had grub issues, I would get a hold of that grub be gone and follow the instructions and try it now if it makes sense. You've got to make sure there's moisture. That it won't work at all unless there's rain coming. Um, and at my house, we are expecting rain in the next few days. So it might be something that could work if you are seeing grub damage and there's rain in the forecast. Thanks, Diane. Appreciate you doing my, my research for me. <laughs> <laughs> Very, very handy. Um, hey, Dean, have a great week. Thank you, you for well. all your help. Yeah, yeah, you as well. Great show. And uh, yes, thanks. And Ashy couldn't do any of it without you. Great callers, everybody. Keep them coming. See you again next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.